All right. You might be like, hey, how did he get up there? What's going on? The video camera broke? No. Uh, we're campus pastors are preaching this weekend. So, <laughs> praise God. Hey, we're going to have fun today. Uh, This is the first week of our relationship series. We're starting a four-week series on relationships. And today, if you're single in here, you can like make a loud noise. If you're single, come on, you can do better than that. Come on, be proud of that. It's okay to be single, I'm just saying. Uh, We're going to talk to single people, and some of you are looking to get married someday. So we're going to talk about dating, relationships, all that stuff. And then uh, just a warning to parents, okay? This is a PG-13 message, okay? Uh, But uh, if you have any kids from birth to fifth grade, we have an amazing Go Kids program. I just highly recommend you go check them in. Pastor Becca is amazing. By the way, she's celebrating her anniversary this week. Uh, she's on vacation with her husband, Brian. They're, they're on a cruise, hopefully not getting seasick, uh, but uh, that's awesome. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about marriages, okay? And, uh, and then the week after that, on Mother's Day, we're going to talk about moms and kids. Novel idea. Talk, we're celebrating moms. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about dads and kids. So there's something for everyone in this message. Now, before I get started, I just want to preface this message with a couple of things. Now, if you're single, okay, if you're single in here, you don't have to get married, just saying, like, you don't have to get married. Marrying someone does not complete you. I know, <laughs> I know you maybe heard that. He or she completes me. It's like, well, they might compliment you, but the only one that completes you is Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on. You can clap better than that. Come on. Thank you for clapping on your own there. Uh, Paul, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, he says this, But I wish every every one of you were single, just as I am, yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to you who aren't married and to widows, it is better to stay unmarried, just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should marry. Go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with lust. So Paul says that, hey, there's a gift of being single and there's a gift of being married, okay? Both are amazing. Uh, You know, a lot of people seem to get married, but it's not necessarily God's will for everyone, okay? Uh, Paul, for example, wasn't married and he was able to stay laser focused on what God called him to do and his mission and the vision that God had for him of getting the gospel across the unknown world, like almost. I mean, he wrote over half the books that we have in our New Testament. Uh, Amazing work. But then some people work together really well as married couples. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, they worked with Paul and they were married and they did well. So both kinds, both people are important. It's not wrong to stay single. It's not wrong to marry, okay? The main thing and the most important thing is loving Jesus and serving God. Amen? Come on. Thank you for clapping again. Awesome. Awesome. Now, if you're already married, this message is for you, okay? You get an opportunity today to sharpen up because you probably have single people in your lives that you can help them on this journey of dating and getting ready for marriage. And this should sharpen you as well about your for your marriage. So let's get going. Uh, first, I want to say, are there any single people wanting to get married in here? Come on, be proud. Put your hand in there. If you're single, come on, put that hand up higher. Come on, doing good over there. All right, anybody else? Now look around, okay? Look around. You may have your future spouse in here. Maybe. Okay. Just had to check. Um, uh, 
So how do you find Mr. Right? Okay, you got to prepare, number one. Okay, and then you got to know when you're ready. And then there's things to avoid, but there's things to look for. So this is what we're going to go through today. So one, how do we prepare? Now, I just want to share something. Uh, a friend of mine, I was having lunch with him, and he was talking about, he was praying one day, and God kind of challenged him in the way he was praying. And he said, hey, stop praying for what you want and start praying for what you need, and then you'll get what you want. And, and I thought that was amazing. Like when he told me, and, and I just want to know, like God wasn't trying to trick him into manipulating God. Like God doesn't do that. It wasn't like this manipulation trick. No, God was saying, Hey, when you pray, first things first. Okay. Ask for what you need. Okay. Ask for what you need. So then when you get what you want, it doesn't destroy you or you destroy it. It's pretty wise. And, and uh, Psalms 37, 4 says this, take delight in the Lord, and then he'll give you your heart's desires. And and some of you maybe been praying for Mr. or Mrs. Wright, but, but maybe you're not right yet. So maybe you need God to get into you and do some work in you and help you get healthy and secure and whole and strong. Then you'll actually naturally attract Mr. or Mrs. Wright to you. Amen? Amen. Amen. So here's some key verses just to get you started on a health journey. And Mark 1230 is a great place to start. It says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And Jesus goes on to say the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment as important as these. That's a great start. Proverbs 3, 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Proverbs 4, 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So when you, when you get close to God and you get God in you, it's like the Holy Spirit starts producing His fruit and He guides us. And that's amazing. Now, I want to give some simple wisdom here, uh, some three points from Andy Stanley. He's a great pastor down south on how to make yourself way more attractive. Who wants to be more attractive in here? Okay, come on. Okay, take some notes. All right. You can use your connect card if you didn't fill it out earlier. Um, one, he says, stay out of bed, okay? Stay out of bed. Two, get out of debt. Three, clean out your closet. Stay out of bed, get out of debt, clean out your closet. So one, stay out of bed. Now, this does, he's not like suggesting you can never sleep, okay? It's, it's the other kind. He's like saying, hey, live pure, okay? Holiness equals true happiness. And I want to just speak to some issues that I see in Christian dating, it seems like, lately. And, and I just want to know, like, we should never get our practices from culture, okay? We're supposed to be set apart. Okay, we're supposed to, our, our dating and our relationship should look different than the world's. I get it the way they live, but ours should look different. And my question that I have is, why am I finding out that so many people who follow Christ, they're living together before they get married? And that's why, you know, this was never meant to be. Uh, that's why the Bible says a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now, I understand there's uh, there's a lot of good reasons, a lot of good excuses to live together, saving money. We're saving money. Like, we're practicing. Like, we're, we're, we're already storing up. We're getting all this stuff. No, no. By all means, do not make any contract 
before you get married. Don't do anything that, that binds you together until it's right, till you say I do, till the covenant is made. Do not do anything like that. And, and protect yourself. Be wise. And my other question is, is why are so many unmarried couples having sex before marriage? This is wrong. I'm just going to say it straight out. It's, it's, it's different. I can't speak to people outside the body of Christ. I don't have that authority. I have no right. I understand that the world, in the world, that that's happening, okay? But for those who call on the name of Jesus, we need to understand that when you have sex outside of marriage, you're literally committing adultery. You're like, what? Yes, you're having sex with someone else's future husband or wife. That's what it is. And you're like, but we love each other. We're going to get married. No, you do not. Like, you're not committed until he says I do, or you say I do, till the ring is on your finger, till you've made that agreement, that, that covenant relationship. Marriages ought, marriages ought to protect that great act, that, 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 that's like finishing the, the, crossing the finish line before you start the race. It's not okay. And, and there's something that you can do about it. Now, real quickly, um, men, I just want to talk to you for a second because I'm a daddy. And, and men, I get it. I wish someone would have had this talk with me, but I'm telling you, every girl, every young lady, she has a dad who loves her very much and wants to protect her with everything he has. And if you mess with her, you're messing with him. And I'm just suggesting don't do that. Don't do that. Honor her, protect her, value her. That's the way you're supposed to treat women. It's okay to be a gentleman. That's not a bad thing. And we're called to do that. And I, trust me, the old topper, the before Christ topper, did some things I wish I would have never done. And I've had to actually face to face with dads that I did not honor. And I apologize to them for mistreating their daughters. Ladies, I'm just going to say this. Modest is hottest. Modest is hottest. Come on. If you didn't know, men are visually stimulated, and we don't need your help, okay? So back her down. Keep it clean, all right? I don't have time to talk fashion or anything. Uh, now, what, what does God's Word say? Let's just, what, I don't, okay, great, Topper. I love your opinion. But what does God's Word say? 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8 says this. God's will is for you to be set apart for him in holiness and that you keep yourselves unpolluted from sexual defilement. Yes, each of you must guard your sexual purity with holiness and dignity, not yielding to lustful passions like those who don't know God. Never take selfish advantage of a brother or sister in this matter. For we've told you and solemnly warned you that the Lord is the avenger of these things. For God calls our lives, uh, God's call on our lives is to not live a life of compromise and perversion, but to live a life surrounded in holiness. Therefore, whoever rejects this instruction isn't rejecting human authority, but God himself who gives us this precious gift, a spirit of holiness. 1 Corinthians 6 says this in verse 18, run from sexual sin. Run, run, forest, run, like run from sexual sin. There is no other sin that so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Uh, you don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must 
honor God with your body. Bottom line, true love can and will wait. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, Love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Ladies, if he's not willing to wait, he may not be Mr. Right. Okay? Uh, guys, if, if she seems too forward in this area, you got to give her time. Like, like there's, there's a, maybe a daddy wound there and, and you just got to let her get healed. And if, if you've missed up in this area anyway, like either living together or ha- uh, had sex outside of marriage, please, please, please come to me. Come to us. We want to help you. I want to help guide you through this. I've had plenty of couples that I've, that have worked with them and they, they took a step back and they repented before God and they confessed and they changed the way they were doing it and they changed their living patterns and all of that and I promise you 100% that when they did that and honored God they blessed they were blessed their marriage now is blessed and that they made an impact to the world around them I promise you I've never seen so many people get affected when when you change and do something like this the people you work with the people maybe you know they're going to be some of them are going to be confused some are like why would world would you do that why would you move out why would you go backwards why would you spend more money like why would you make these decisions but there's going to be some people that are genuinely and curious like you got their attention they're like why are you doing this i need to know like what's the deal uh tell me about this two okay point number two get out of debt Woo! financial peace university come on if you're in financial peace Look, I'm all excited like Dave Ramsey now. Like, this is, this is how I act about money. Like, I get all excited. I'm gonna roll my debt into nothing. So, uh, but you should do that too. Like, get out of debt. Don't, don't answer to the man. Don't, don't let debt own and control your life. Don't bring debt into your relationship. Uh, get rid of your debt. Okay? Create wealth. Be generous to the things of God. That's what he preaches, and I agree. Like uh, Matthew 6, 21 says this, wherever your treasure is, there the, the desires of your heart will be also. So again, wherever your treasure is, wherever you're giving to, wherever you're spending your money, your heart is following that. So, so where's your treasure? I pray that your treasure is in the things of God. God wants to help. Uh, three, clean out your closet. You know that gal, like she gets all, like it doesn't give you joy, you gotta chuck it, right? Like if it doesn't give you joy, throw it away, right? Uh, that's what we need to do sometimes, but it's, it's talking about like emotionally, mentally, spiritually healthy, okay? We have an awesome life group, it's called Freedom. It's gonna be kicking off again for sure over and Go Kids on September 16th. Get into freedom and, and get set free. God, maybe there's some things in your life, you just gotta be done with it. You got to get rid of it because it's not bringing you joy. She's right. If it ain't bringing you joy, get rid of it, get it out, be done with it. John 15, one says this, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So another thing you can do is get into the word of God. Let this get in you. Do so. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Allow God's word to do a work in you and transform your life from the inside out. So there, there are the three. Stay out of bed, get out of debt, and clean out your closet. Um, 
The other thing that I wanted to cover, if you're going to go for marriage, you want to be married, it's good to know God's vision for marriage. What should it look like? And in the Bible, biblical marriage, it speaks to a covenant, okay? Now, a simple definition of covenant is a chosen relationship in which two parties make binding promises to each other. I'll read that again. It's a chosen relationship in which two parties make a binding, make binding promises to each other. So again, this covenant and the promises that come with it are what bind you together. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when you're doing finances, like the budget. You, you guys come together, you agree on a budget, and the budget is outside of yourselves. And whenever you, like, think you should do this or that, you go back to the budget. Well, in the same way, when you get married and you make a covenant, whenever you have disagreements, you go back to the covenant. We made this agreement. This was something, it was a lifelong agreement that we made. In the Bible, like, covenants were very serious. I mean, there's a lot of them, like, when God would make a covenant with someone, there was a sacrifice involved. Blood was involved. And you're like, well, why do we got to talk about blood? Are we talking about marriage? Uh, look, I didn't write the Bible. Okay. So, but uh, when, he, when he was with Abraham in Genesis 15, literally God commanded him. He said, hey, take these certain animals. And Abraham cut them in half and he put the halves on other sides of a, like an area where the blood would run down and it would make a little like, like washout or whatever. And, and I know that sounds sick and gory, but this is what it was. And literally, this is why in, in marriage, in a wedding, they have a center aisle and the bride walks down the center aisle. That's what it's symbolic of. And, and what would happen is, is, uh, and in this instance, it's interesting with Abraham. In, in this instant, uh, um, uh, Abraham actually, God put him in a deep sleep and God himself walked through the blood. And the reason why that's interesting is because in a biblical covenant, normally the weaker of the two out of the, of the agreement walked through the blood. So Abraham should have been the one walking through the blood. But what God did here is he was pointing forward to the new covenant when his son would die on the cross and shed his blood for our sins. We're the ones that deserve the cross, but Jesus, God himself, took the cross for us. Isn't that amazing? So, but what the blood meant is when the person walked through it, it would literally splatter up on their clothes. And when they'd look at the blood in the future, they'd be reminded that I made a covenant. And what that covenant meant was if I break this covenant, this is my blood. It was serious. It was a big deal. And, and I just, I need to talk about this because this is literally when you go for marriage, this is what you're going for. This is what we do. We make a biblical covenant before God. And I understand that divorce is common. I understand that divorce happens. There's maybe some people in the room that have experienced divorce. Divorce is painful. I don't care who you are. I don't think anyone has aspirations of getting divorced someday. Uh, the problem with, the biggest problem with divorce is the biggest victim is the kids. Kids are the ones that pay the biggest price. I believe that. I was a kid. My parents got divorced when I was 11. It was a terrible age. I didn't know how to deal with it. I, did, I couldn't understand it. It rocked me. It shook me. It took me years to, to heal from it. And, and I, I still had years of forgiving my parents. Whenever they talk about it, it's like, I don't want to hear about it. Like, I wish you were still married. You know? So I just want you to know, divorce is is painful. It hurts those involved. And if you're going to go after marriage, you got to know this is a lifelong commitment. And so we want to we want to know that we're going into it in a in a good way, in a healthy way. Um, there's a biblical blueprint for marriage, and this goes for all of us, not just singles in the room. For married people, it's a great reminder. But Ephesians five twenty one is where the biblical blueprint for marriage. Paul laid it out. It says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
In verse 22, it says, for wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a, a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. For husbands, this means to love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her to make her holy and clean and washed by the cleansing of his word. Verse 31 goes on. It says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect the husband. Now, the key thing here that we should pay attention to in a Christian marriage is it says it's an illustration of the way Christ and his church become one. So the, a Christian marriage, a marriage of Christ followers, we should be doing such a good job at this. Like we're literally, our marriage is like a template for the world to look through and see God, see Christ in his church and how the two become one. It's a high calling. It's a, it's a high calling, a high responsibility. Uh, God says in Deuteronomy uh, 31, he says for, I, he will never fail us or abandon us. That's, that ought to be our vision for one another when we go into that biblical covenant. So don't go into this without truly knowing the person you're marrying is ready and that you're ready. And this is why at River Valley, we do pre-marriage mentoring. If you get married by a River Valley pastor, we have something that's called pre-marriage mentoring. We've had couples that don't even get married at this church. They still go through it to get prepared for their church. And it's amazing. I just want to tell you, like, you're going to each fill out a form and the way you answer that when you're done, it, it tells us like where you're not seeing eye to eye. And then the marriage mentors meet with you multiple times and they're working through all of those areas so that you, you get on the same page before you get married. It's a- amazing. They're going to teach you how to go through struggles and difficulties and how to communicate and how to solve problems. And uh, if you're married in this room, I'm just telling you, if you haven't gone through marriage mentoring, it's not it's not something that you have to wait until you're having marriage problems. Do it as a tune-up. It's amazing. I promise you, you're going to love it. Uh, so go through that. Now, how do I know that I'm ready for marriage? This is from Patrick Mablog. He's a Christian Post contributor, and he offers seven signs to suggest that you may be ready for marriage. One, marriage no longer identifies your identity, okay? Marriage is no longer what's going to identify your identity. You get your identity from God, and you get it from his word. I promise you that you can get your identity in here. God spoke over his own son, Jesus. He said, that's my son and whom I love, and I am well pleased. I pray that you hear God say those words to you personally each and every one of you in this room. Uh, two, you seek to serve more than being served. This is so important. If you're going to go into marriage, you better be ready to serve more than be served, okay? Um, if you seek the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, you, you seek love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Four, you have sound understanding of who God is to you. He's not your spiritual vending machine. He's your, he's your loving heavenly father who loves you and he'd do anything for you and you love him. Five, again, sanctity is your priority. Hebrews 13.4 says this, let marriage be held in high honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Six, you seek Jesus more than anything else. Jesus is number one, and he's always going to be number one. No matter who I find, they might, they're going to be number two, but Jesus is always number one. Seven, 
You've learned to love yourself. So important. Mark 12, 31. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's so important to love who God created you to be. He loves you. I hope that you'd love you. Uh, things to avoid. Infatuation. Number one. Infatuation is a dangerous thing. It happens to a lot of people. And uh, marriage experts have stated that infatuation is actually the number one cause for adultery and infidelity in marriages. And, and why is that? I think it's because there's a blinding effect. You know, the, the heart shaped over the eyes emoji. You know, you use that. Anybody? Come on. Am I the only one? Uh, Sue? Send in my one. <laughs> but those little heart shapes, they blind you. When, when you have those heart shapes over your eyes, you can't see the red flags that all the rest of us see. You're so in love, like, they couldn't do anything wrong. It's like, they're, they're totally mistreating you and you don't see it. It's, it's really scary. And so the same thing that's drawing you closer is actually could ruin you. So be careful. So what do you do? You protect yourself. You have people in your life. You listen to your friends. You listen to your parents. You listen to accountability partners. You listen to mentors. Let them like raise the red flag for you and listen to them. Number two, we have to be careful with where we're getting our vision of how we fall in love in relationships. It's so important to know, think about where you get, have gotten their, your whole concept of what love and relationships look like. Uh, now, where, where do you think you're getting this concept? Is it coming from Disney? Is it coming from Hollywood? Like movies, romance novels? Please say no. <laughs> is it coming from culture? Or is it coming from God's word? Because I promise you, if, if you find this, what, what love, what, what is love, what's relationships, and it comes from anywhere from here, I'm just telling you, you could be very, very, very disappointed. And you might be like, well, Topper, some of the marriages and stuff in the Bible are terrible. Yes, Paul said it was all written down for our benefit so that we wouldn't make the same mistakes. And, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's some examples of this. Let's look at some examples. If, if Disney is where you're getting your concept of love and relationships, I just want to say that, that in Disney, you fall in love with a beast, okay? And true love turns him into Prince Charming. <laughs> it's real, right? Uh, but in real life, I mean, you can fall in love with a beast and there's no, there's no guarantee he's tr- turned into pr- Prince Charming, you know? Morgan, sorry for using that one. That's Morgan's favorite movie. So she doesn't fall in love with beasts. Don't worry. Okay. She's okay. Your worship pastor is great. So, but you know, in Disney films, it's like they have one problem and then they figure that out and then it's life happily ever after, right? But we know that love, it takes lifelong dedication and commitment and work. It's not always a happily ever after. It is happy. It's not bad. But it's a daily choice and discipline to walk in love. I mean, what about Snow White? I mean, if you get your, your vantage point from Snow White, I mean, you could end up with, with, uh, with sleepy or grumpy or dopey. <laughs> Ladies, you don't want dopey. Come on now. So some of us maybe taking to take a break, take a little fast from Disney movies or, or Hollywood or culture, and you need to get in God's word and let him show you what relationships should look like. Here's some facts about true love. Love is not a feeling. I know everybody thinks, oh, love is a feeling. You've probably heard it in great rock songs and stuff. Nothing but a feeling, you know, but love, true love is not a feeling. It's actually, it's actually a dis- decision. It's a call to action. 
It takes determination. It takes serious commitment. Love, feelings will, will always let you down. Feelings will actually work against you. How many of you want to work out, but man, when you go, you don't, you don't feel like it. <laughs> like, that's the last thing I want to do. You know, a lot of you want to do a lot of good stuff. I should quit eating donuts, but I don't feel like it. I'm going to start next week. Praise God, okay? See, feelings will mess you up. So if anything, I think our feelings follow our decisions and our convictions, so just as, as a heart follows your, your, your generosity, I believe that feelings follow our generosity. Feelings follow our convictions. Romantic love has two stages. I don't know if a lot of you think about this, but this is from Gary Chapman, Things I Wish I Had Known Before I Got Married. That's a book. If you're single, maybe you should get it and read it. But Things I Wish I Had Known Before We Got Married, Gary Chapman. He says the single stage, this, this initial stage, okay, the initial stage is kind of like where... It's just so easy. Love is almost like the love that I have for this person. I don't even have to work at it. I mean, we just automatically love each other. You know that stage. This is where you're walking around. You got the heart shapes on, man. You get done talking to them like butterflies are everywhere. And you like get off the phone with them and you swing around poles and, and trees and you're, you're, you maybe can't sing, but now you're singing and like this, nothing could be wrong. Everything is amazing. I'm telling you, this is the place where a lot of people make their lifelong decision, but I'm telling you, there's another stage and stage two takes work. Stage two means I have to know how to love this person. And he identifies different ways people feel love. And it's through words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, some for physical touch. It's key to know how the other person receives love and then love them in that way. That's what we got to do. Now, things to look for, character and integrity, okay? Character and integrity are priceless. Looks, will, and can come and go. Can I get an amen from some, come on, come on. They will come and go. And as you age, looks may come and go, okay? Uh, but integrity and character can, can, character can actually grow stronger. You get better and you can actually be a more solid person, people that can count on. Do you always tell the truth even when it hurts? Do you have a good reputation? Uh, does this person that you're dating, do they honor their parents, do they honor your parents? If their parents or your parents, I don't know. They could, you could end up like they may not honor you. That's really important. They live in such a way, so key right here. They live in such a way that you naturally draw closer to Jesus. Because of the way they live, you want more of Jesus in your life. That's an amazing trait. That's someone with character integrity. Uh, another thing to do, don't overemphasize appearance and looks, okay? Look for the heart. Look at the heart and what, what's going on in their heart. Make sure before you commit to anyone in marriage that you have the peace of God about this decision. Make sure till the day you say I do, right up to that moment, if you don't have the peace of God, it's worth pausing and waiting until you do. Trust your parents to speak into this. Parents, we, we kind of get this sixth sense about, about our kids and the people that they're around and the people they date. We're not trying to be creepy or dominate. It's like, there's, there's girls, I've read stories and books that I've read where, where the dad actually tried to warn his daughter about this guy. He didn't even know why. He just didn't have a good feeling about him. And she didn't listen, ended up getting hurt really bad. And, and dad had to help out. Again, now, be patient, okay? Be sure you're ready for this. Don't settle. You're worth the best. You're worth waiting for. 
And you should believe that and trust that. Be equally yoked. That means both of you ought to have your hearts set on Jesus, go in the same direction. This is not a minor thing. This is a very important thing that you both worship Jesus. And the last thing, trust me. Trust your pastors. Trust us. We want to help you. We want to help you through this and navigate these waters of relationships and love. I just want to quick close this out and just pray for everyone in here who's single and maybe you don't want to get married. That's okay. I still want to pray for everybody in here. So if you're single in here, put a hand on your heart. And even if you're not single for married people, pray along with me. But God, I just thank you for this series. I thank you, God, that, that we get to opportunity to learn and grow together. And God, this is such an important thing such an important time of our lives. Guide and protect our hearts. I pray that our hearts would be drawn to you and we'd love you more than anything. And God, we know and trust that you'll guide our direct our steps. And God, guide and direct every person in here uh, who is looking for a person to marry. God, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.